episode number 19. As always, I just want to quickly take this opportunity to say a big thank you to everybody listening right now. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, In this episode, I sat down and had a chat with Cody Bascom. So Cody is a college strength and conditioning coach over in the US. So how I know Cody, I went over to the US and did a strength and conditioning internship at the University of South Carolina back in 2017. And Cody happened to be one of the one of the other interns there at the time. So in the podcast, we we catch up a bit, talk about the South Carolina internship. Uh, we discuss Cody's journey through the world of college strength and conditioning. Uh, he provides some really good insight uh, into what it's like in the world of college strength and conditioning over there. Uh, we talk about Cody's general approach to velocity philosophy for training athletes. And then at the end, we kind of go into a few random things. I test Cody out on a few random Aussie slang words that he struggled with while I was over there. And I remind him about the time I made him eat some Vegemite. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy. Cody Bascom, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat this morning. Well, morning here, afternoon there. <laughs> I know, nice little time difference. Uh, but no, man, it's it's good to catch up and get on the podcast and, you know, talk a little shop and strength conditioning and everything in between. So for those, so just as a backstory, so I went over and did a strength and conditioning internship with the University of South Carolina football team back in 2017, and Cody happened to be one of the other interns there. So like we were just saying before, it's crazy to think that it's been four years since that internship. Uh, what do you remember about that internship? Uh, I mean, it was, it was definitely different than uh, anything I've experienced before. Uh, I mean, SEC football, it's as big as it gets in the States, uh, as I mean, you kind of got to see a little bit and even with a program that isn't, uh, as successful as it has been in the past. And, and obviously, you know, SEC football is competitive. Um, but I mean, it, just seeing the amount of time, effort and everything in between that goes in with not only on the side of strength and conditioning, but also like nutrition and logistical things and, practice and you know demands on just an athlete and everything else um but I mean for me I just remember obviously a lot of uh camaraderie with some of us and uh some separation with others but I mean that's an internship for you you're gonna have kind of some some guys that do a good job and that you become friends with and some that maybe not so much and you kind of have to either drag along or leave behind uh and and things like that but I mean it was it was a great time obviously my you know for me I was at that point um getting back into strength conditioning at the college level and that was kind of the avenue I decided to go and for me it was a it was a great experience you know learned a lot and obviously got to meet someone from Australia which hadn't really done before besides I mean I rowing at Michigan State we had I think one Australian there um but other than that it was just kind of cool to see you come all the way over and you know, want to see how we do things in the United States and, and things like that. So, yeah, it was interesting and it just blew me away. Like how much money's put into it all. And like the facilities I had, there were unbelievable. Like their yeah. gym, their, the gym they had there was probably better than most professional sporting teams have in Australia. Like just the money is insane. Oh yeah. And that's, and the crazy thing is, is like since then they've rebuilt. So like mm. they have a brand new facility that is, like I'd say at least twice the size of the one that we were in. Um, and they have like a barber shop and like 
a, a recording studio. Yeah. Okay. So they like the the amount of money that they put into the new facilities, and I mean it's just again the money just keeps going bigger and bigger, you know, because it's at the end of the day it's a recruiting tool for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So you know, like you see it growing more and more. Like I know even I think it was even a smaller not a small school, but a smaller conference school they're putting in. I think I read it was like a $30 million facility. Um, and that's just for football. And, you know, that's like a, a group of five or mid-major type program versus, you know, your SEC schools putting in that on a regular basis in a sense. So, I yeah, mean, even I- the nutrition budget, like even just looking at what we did with nutrition there was like crazy. Yeah, it's well. No. It was in, yeah, it was nuts, isn't it? I, I couldn't believe that the players got all their meals. They got all their meals supplied for them all the time. We and obviously we happened to kind of cash in on that because we would get the leftovers. Oh, yeah. But well, the crazy one that surprised me was the. I just remember camp and the first uh, night when they had snacks, and I was like, "Oh, snacks like PB and J's or granola bars, whatever." And it's like, no, it's a full meal of like steaks and salmon and potatoes and all this stuff. And I'm like, they just had dinner like two hours ago. Like, what are we doing? But I mean, when it's that level of, of play, I guess, yeah. you know, they take things that serious. But like you said, I wasn't complaining because we got to cash in for a lot of it. So, um. <laughs> Yeah. And did I, one of the other things I remember as well. So before I went over there, I didn't really, I didn't really drink coffee. I kind of just never really got into it, but since I've been over there and come back, I've just never stopped drinking coffee now. Like, and it was because it was because of you. In those, remember when we get there in those early mornings and you had your coffee machine and you'd have your beans and you'd make your coffee. Oh, yeah. And that was what got me into it because we were there so early in the morning. You'd be like, you'd just offer me a coffee and then you'd give me this huge shaker cup of coffee. I just never yeah. looked back ever since. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad I <laughs> had that contribution for you. <laughs> Um, yeah, it changed my life. <laughs> um, oh, man. um, then, so your story, so the, we don't really have anything like college strength and conditioning in Australia. Um, so I'd just be interesting to just hear a bit about your story kind of, cause obviously there's a lot of moving around and jumping in and out of the industry, the way it works in the college system. So if you just kind of want to run me through your journey through the world of college strength and conditioning. Yeah. So, I mean, so for me, like looking back on it, like I'll kind of give just a brief kind of extensive overview, I guess, but like, you know, played a bunch of sports going into high school and stuff like that. I grew up in a small town, so you could play whatever sport you wanted, which is awesome. Um, But was never really good enough to obviously get a scholarship or play anywhere myself. Um, And ended up going to Michigan State University um, just to get out of the state of Iowa because needed to have a big change and things like that. And, you know, university or college is the way you kind of just get away and, you know, start your new life in a sense. Um, And for me, I actually, like, my goal was to be a doctor. So, like, I went into university wanting to be a doctor. So, like, I was a biochem, molecular biology major and started going after that and realized quickly that my grades were not going to be up to par for that. So, I actually ended up changing my major four different times um, within the first couple of years. Um, between nursing and kinesiology, which at that time I had no idea what that was, um, and then back to nursing. And then actually I took a semester off. 
So I actually took like a full semester off to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Um, so I, and at that time I went to my sister's wedding in Costa Rica and literally didn't come back to university. I grabbed my stuff from my apartment, like my dorm room and packed up and came back to Iowa. A lot of kids were like, they come back like they thought I was still in Costa Rica <laughs> um so like I didn't really tell a lot of people that I like just you know needed time to figure things out um so went back home and I worked at a coffee shop uh you know to continue my love for coffee but uh <laughs> um yeah I just kept diving into things and, and you know found kinesiology in a sense I was like okay well I like to you know work out and stuff like that so I'll go back and that's what I'm going to do after I kind of realized what it was um, and, you know, at that time I was going through some, uh, relationship things that weren't so great and some just different personal battles that I had to deal with. And luckily, uh, in the kinesiology department, they had a poster, uh, for needing interns for the Olympic sports. So you're non-football and pretty much non-basketball sports, um, cause basketball is kind of separate, which we can go into a little bit more with kind of how it works in the States. But, um, so I ended up taking that and like that changed my life. Like I realized like I wanted to do something with fitness and especially strength and conditioning. I just like the um, camaraderie it had as well as the intensity and, and everything else and realizing how much of an impact it has. Um, you know, I remember not having that when I was growing up in high school and not having known what strength and conditioning uh, is. Like I remember uh, like in middle school, they told you to make the JV team in high school, you had to bench 135. So for me, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do a bunch of curls because that makes sense. Um, and to think of where I've gone from that to, you know, where I am now, it's kind of funny to, to reflect on that. But yeah, I mean, from there, just kind of kept going and um, got an internship in a personal training facility. So I was able to do some general population stuff too, um, which was cool because I think, you know, for me, it gave me a lot of insight on progressions and regressions. Um, which obviously relates to athletics as well. And, you know, if you decide to go, you know, private sector, whatever it is, you have those avenues of, you know, working with athletes and non-athletes. Um, but did that and, you know, kind of took a job in sales after I graduated because I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. And it was a job offer that paid well, you know, so it was like, okay, well, I'm going to make some money right out of college, you know, um, but quickly realized like, nah, I got to get back to training. Like that was what I wanted to do. Um, so I ended up going into like private sector and doing some things like that. And, uh, you know, to get back into it, I had to do an, uh, interview down at a facility in Houston and they wouldn't pay for my interview. So I booked a flight for $300 one way or round trip for a day and was literally there for, I think three hours total. Um, just talking to them and getting a potential job opportunity with that. Uh, and kind of interesting how that just worked out because I ended up getting that job but quickly realized it wasn't the job I wanted so um, just some hostile management and things like that just weren't a good fit um, so bounced from that to another facility in Michigan um, but then I, I was like you know I got to get back into college athletics that was what I wanted to do uh, so that was where South Carolina came in um, so 2017 is when I kind of got back, back into uh, college athletics and you know, I applied to a bunch of different internships, uh, got into a bunch of different ones, like accepted, you know, University of Iowa, which would be obviously back home or like Washington, things like that. But for me, it was like, okay, 
uh, SEC football. Need to go experience that, get get that under my belt and just see how it works out. Um, so did that, you know, did a good enough job to get a recommendation for um, a couple job interviews and was lucky enough to get a graduate assistant position uh, at Houston Baptist University uh, to work under a strength, awesome strength coach, uh, Renee Pena. He did a really good job. He's been in the industry for 20 years, you know, it was with you know, St. Louis Cardinals and professional teams and stuff like that. Um, but he ended up stepping down. And for me, I, you know, decided to, to go a different avenue and was lucky enough to get another graduate assistant position, um, which in the States, like, that's very hard to do. Um, so I'll just preface that of getting graduate assistant positions are becoming far and few between uh, just because of the cost. It will cost the university to do that. And a lot of people want to do more like paid internship type positions because it's a lot cheaper. Um, at least that's the way I've seen it kind of going. Um, but anyway, so I got to Austin Peay State University, which is in Tennessee. So, you know, uh, great opportunity was there for a year and actually ended up finishing up my degree online and took a job opportunity that I couldn't pass up at Louisiana Tech University to go work for Kurt Hester, which if you're in the strength and conditioning field, you kind of know who Kurt is. Uh, he's kind of a, a crazy guy. Uh, you know, if you've read his book, Rants of a Strength and Conditioning Madman, um, great book and I highly recommend it. But uh, it was great to learn under him and, you know, other side of football because that was a football only position. Um, the rest of my other positions, the graduate assistant positions were Olympic sports. Um, so I got to do all of that, which was great. And then from Louisiana Tech, uh, you know, I was with my fiance at the time, uh, well, girlfriend at the time, then fiance turned into later on, um, who I'm with now. But she's in physical therapy school in Canada. So there's another hurdle is that she's Canadian and I'm uh, American. So having to deal with that and immigration and stuff and uh, kind of the rehab things that we did at Louisiana Tech intrigued me into physical therapy. So I thought about going physical therapy route actually. And so I kind of left Louisiana Tech on my own accord um, to pursue that and make some money and stuff. So I moved back home and was working in a hospital in the emergency room uh, for a year. So got to see a lot of interesting things um, within that. And obviously uh, still wanting to, to get into strength and conditioning. And for me, like being at the ER and seeing that and being away from strength and conditioning made me miss it more. So I kind of realized how much I needed it in a sense of like, okay, this is what I'm really supposed to be doing. So, you know, kind of just was applying to jobs and, uh, you know, with COVID and things like that, you know, job opportunities were far and few between because uh, a lot of universities didn't have funds for positions and they were cutting sports and, and, you know, things were all shut down and stuff like that. But Luckily, through a connection that I made while I was at South Carolina, I had a job open and ended up, that's where I'm at now, is at Northwestern State University as the associate head um, of strength and conditioning. So, oversee uh, baseball, softball, those are my two main sports, uh, but then I also help with football, so that's always all hands on deck, especially at a smaller university, uh, and then I oversee the internship program that we have, as well as kind of graduate assistant um, development and things like that as, and then just kind of oversee what they do. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy journey. Lots of moves. Um, like you talked about, like I've moved 
I think it's been eight times in the past four years, um, which is kind of not a lot for some people. I know there's I know there's some strength coaches that have done it more than that, which is kind of crazy. But um, yeah, it's 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 a grind. I don't want to, I hate using that word sometimes, but um, it's you know lots of ups and downs. But you know at the end of the day, it's been worth it. So. Yeah, good on you for um, hanging in there and sticking with it. There's um, because the the kind of the vibe I got from it all is, it's extremely competitive for jobs within college strength and conditioning. And kind of the way it works is, correct me if I'm wrong, you come in essentially do an internship, and then the idea is to do really well in that internship, and you kind of would bounce. Most people would kind of bounce around doing a few different internships, then maybe get some sort of graduate position or paid internship position. And then it's kind of just a case of waiting for positions to open up. Is it not? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it just depends obviously on, on how you want to go about it. You know, like some people will stay in an internship position until they get a job. Um, but sometimes it's better to branch out. It just kind of depends because the biggest thing, your biggest asset here in the States is your network. Mm. So if you have a good network, and people and you've done a good job that's the number one thing is obviously you have to earn your recommendation and earn that um position that you're going to get to um i mean a lot of it's you know word of mouth and people you know that want to to help you get a position because if you do a good job and you have that network built you'll end up getting to where you want to be um but that's kind of yeah the standard way is you know you intern um hopefully get a ga position if you can because if you don't have a master's degree you're pretty much not going to get a job um, to be realistic, like it's just not going to happen uh, unless you get pretty lucky and you just kind of fall into a job with a bachelor's degree. But more and more places are requiring you to have a master's. Um, and I think it's more just a liability type of thing being like, oh, our strength coach has a master's degree versus, you know, versus actually what you learn in your master's degree because it just depends. Um, yeah. Obviously, university to university. But um, and then, yeah, paid internship potentially. I know some like entry level jobs are almost like a paid internship. Uh, and then you just kind of try to work your way up and, and it's either you work your way up within the, the school you're at, or you wait until that job opens up somewhere else where someone knows somebody and asks for a guy, you know, like I think about, you know, how I got to, you know, my places is, you know, the Houston Baptist job I got because the guy I interviewed with while I was at South Carolina knew that he was looking for a GA reached out to me and said, Hey, here's a GA spot. You know, it's just, so it's, word of mouth like that and just a lot of a lot of what happens is you'll have you know someone reach out to someone you're working for and be like hey I got a guy for this position or hey like I need this or hey I have this opening like do you know anybody and then it's just word of mouth you apply and then go through the interview process or you don't and they just know they want to hire you and they post it just because legally they have to post the job so it's just it's very interesting how it works and, you know, I'm not really familiar. You guys don't really have anything like that mm, in nah. Australia at all, do you? Yeah. No, nah, there's nothing like that. All we have in terms of strength conditioning, literally all we have is private sector and elite sports. Okay. And, the, and the elite sports is obviously, it'd be similar to the US, I assume. The elite sports is kind of the jobs there are few and far between. Um, mm mm-hmm it's almost similar to the way it works at college. You'd kind of internship lower level stuff at elite clubs maybe. And then if you hang around, 
positions might open up or same thing. It's more about who knows. Yeah. Those jobs will come up and then it'd be, they'd know someone who they want to take that job. Same sort of thing really. Yeah. But no, like nothing, it, nothing like the college system. Oh no. And like, I mean, even like thinking about that and how it all operates is, I think it's a good and a bad thing. Obviously like it, it forces you to know your network, but I think it, it can pigeonhole people. And I think that's why people get frustrated with the industry um, is just because it's a who knows who kind of thing um, that makes it challenging for especially up and coming strength coaches to kind of make it, you know, um, especially when some of those positions are becoming few and far between, you know, to, to kind of prove yourself as a coach. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen the job postings and of like, I want to, they want you to be certified, have a master's degree, three to five years experience, and you're going to get paid $20,000. Like, yeah. okay, well, I don't know if, three to five years experience because I haven't gotten a job because no one gives me the opportunity and 20 K for 70 hour work week is, is tough. But I mean, it is what it is. Like nothing's going to change until we kind of try to make it change. But the problem is, is there's so many people wanting jobs that it's going to be challenging because even that job I just described is going to have a thousand people apply for it. So it's, it's hard to, to see the change if we, just keep letting it happen in a sense. <laughs> yeah. That one, and that was one of the other things that kind of blew me away, how hard all the strength and conditioning staff work over there. Uh, cause yeah. Cause well, when we were doing those days, like you're there, I'm sure it might be the same for you now. You're there from some days you're there from four in the morning till eight in the afternoon. And, mm-hmm. and then when you find out how much money kind of some of the, I used to call them some of the lower level or more junior strength and conditioning staff are on. It's kind of, um, kind of blows your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, and it's, you know, obviously it depends on the position you're at and, you know, I usually get to the facility, um, you know, 5am and, you know, I try to take some time in the afternoon if I have it to, you know, I have a dog, so I got to let him out and take care of him and things like that. And then obviously go back to the office and finish up. But I know like, you know, my, with baseball, you know, we had training sessions at 6 p.m. So, you know, we get done at 7. Mm. By the time you get home, you got to eat, shower, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, well, time to go to bed. <laughs> um, but it's, it's trying to – I think the biggest thing is trying to find time to step away from the office and take time for yourself. You know, if, you're, if you don't – like, I will say, like, my boss does a really good job of that. It's like, if we're not doing anything, like, go home, you know, like – and I think that's, that's the way it should be is, you know, if we're not doing anything, like legitimately not doing anything, like go home, like take care of yourself, go, go do something, you know, um, and things like that. And, and it's, you know, like, and with the pay thing, it just, it just depends again, like on the level, like if you're football, football is where the money's at. So you're going to get paid more. That's just, it's just a fact, um, especially in the States. Like it's, it's, it's the way it is. And even those lower, level positions with football is still going to be higher than probably your Olympic sport position, um, depending obviously on school and how much staff there is and, and things like that. But, you know, it's definitely, you know, an up climbing battle for anyone trying to get into it for sure. One of the, so a random thing that kind of also blew me away was how much the head strength conditioning coach at South Carolina was getting paid. Um, so obviously he's getting paid a lot of money. And then the fact that, um, when found out that he did, he studied like a 
business degree at university or something. <laughs> and then he yeah. kind of like, his story was kind of like stumbled into strength and conditioning and just same thing kind of worked his way up the ranks. But yeah, that kind of blew my mind. The fact that he did like a business degree or something and then found his way into that position. Yeah. No. And the thing that I think is good, um, cause it's funny. I actually had, so my boss when I was at, uh, Austin Peay State University, he had a, I think it was a teaching degree. So he taught history, um, but he also played, he was a really good, really successful college football player at, uh, you know, in his time. And then he got to the NFL um, on a tryout and things like that. But um, like he was a good athlete himself, but it was like, just kind of funny. He like got into coaching because I think, I believe his dad coached. So he helped his dad coach while doing some teaching and stuff. And then, found his way into strength and conditioning. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting in that sense. But the good thing is that the uh, National Strength and Conditioning Association for the CSCS certification, um, so like the, you know, the one that we have to get the certified strength and conditioning coach um, is making it where you have to have a bachelor's degree in some sort of related field. So you can't just have a random like, business degree or finance degree and decide oh i'm going to be a strength coach like it has which is okay i'm not saying that's a bad thing but at least having some sort of background knowledge or some sort of foundational knowledge of you know the principles behind strength and conditioning is good to have before just getting a certification that you can pass so yeah and going in the right direction i think yeah it all just raises that standard and makes the whole thing seem more professional and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think we're trying to ha have that balance of professionalism and fun. I know I'm sure you've probably seen plenty of the videos of some of the crazy strength coaches here in the state sometimes. Uh, good and bad. You know, I, I think it just depends obviously on the culture and things like that. But, you know, to each yeah. their own, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously a lot of it's contextual as well because when you see some of those random videos, you don't know what's going on. But yeah. sometimes you can't help but shake your head. Yeah, that's about all you can do. <laughs> um, then we'll jump on to... So your general kind of coaching style, approach, philosophy to training athletes. Yeah, I mean, it's always a, an interesting question because uh, I'm not like... I don't like to pigeonhole myself into one philosophy or style yeah, of course. Um, because like, I think part of being a good strength coach is, is uh, being able to adapt and go with what works for that population you're working with. So like for me, whenever I get to a new spot, I always like to one, see the previous program they were on. So I have an idea of what they know. And then from there kind of go with what I think will help build upon that. You know, um, I know I'm a, I, you know, for me, I, you know, do a lot of ground-based movements just like everyone else does. We don't have a lot of machines, uh, really any gym that I've been at previously. I know South Carolina had a few more, obviously some machines that we could use, but when you're at smaller schools, you don't have that. So a lot of improvising band work, uh, you know, making things work the best as you can using the, you know, tried and true movements. Um, and things like that, but also just going off of what I have seen that works. You know, for me, when I do training programs, it's always stuff that I've done before because I don't want to ask my athletes to do something I've never done. Uh, I think that's important for 
any coach is to to have that rapport and almost be able to know like okay this is how the athlete's going to feel at least from this side of it because obviously there's other factors you know stress levels and practice and everything else but at least i know what i'm putting into them and how it's going to affect their body for the most part you know obviously it's, it's all independence as well you know each athlete will respond differently um but for me you know i i try to look at the demands of the sport look at common injuries of whatever the sport is going to be that they're playing address those in with my programming so you know usually for me i'll do like a think of it as like an a1 a2 like it'll be a main movement and kind of a maybe something else to go with it and then like a rehab prehab exercise so usually like a tri set in a sense um, but it also depends on what the main movement is like if it's a power clean or like a power movement i'm probably not going to pair much with it um, but if it's like let's say we're back squatting so we do a squat we do uh, a TKE or something, you know, something like that, or we back squat and then we do a power movement of a box jump and then we do a TKE or like a single leg balance reach or something that's prehab in that sense of, of allowing the athlete where it's non-taxing, so it's not going to take away from our main movement, but it's still going to be beneficial for them. Because um, at the end of the day, we only have, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, depending on time of the year and things like that. Um, but I mean, for me, program wise, like I, again, for athletes, I usually look at what we need, see what the coach's main concerns are too. I mean, you got to talk to them and, and talk to the AT staff, you know, you know, in, in college realm, you got to have that. It's a lot of moving parts. So you have to be in communication with your ATCs to make sure, okay, what's our main injuries that we're dealing with? What's our injury guys look like? What can they do? What can they not do? Uh, and then talking to your head coach and figuring out, you know, okay, what do you want to see? And not saying like, oh, I'm going to take everything he wants because usually it's not plausible. But I have an idea of, okay, if he wants to see him put some size on, okay, well, that's our main, that's our goal number one is put some size on or whatever it is um, for those athletes. And then obviously, like I said, the biggest thing for me is seeing what athletes have done before because I want to meet them where they're at and not have them meet me where I want them to be because then that's just that big gap of uh, where either injury is going to happen, overtraining is going to happen. You know, there's just that gap that of unknown in a sense. Um, I hope that kind of answered the, the question a little bit. No, that was awesome. It's uh, it, yeah, that kind of makes helps people understand how many moving parts there are to the whole thing. And it's, it's really not just as simple as you might have this, you might have this perfect program that you want to come in and implement but then you realize, oh, it's not going to work because of this or this or this, or it's not going to fit with their schedule or whatever random thing. So it really is about kind of, like you said, meeting them where they are and being able to adapt your style and general training philosophy to suit where you're at, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like for me, like obviously everyone's going to coach their way that they want to. For me, I'm a very, um, I don't want to say laid back, but I'm very just even keeled. Hmm. Um, just because I'm not a big, you know, rah rah yell guy. Um, that was you know, the other, that. That was the other thing I was going to say as well, because that was a big kind of culture thing that I noticed over there as well. It was kind of like big energy; everyone has to be really up and yelling and yeah. screaming all the time, that sort of stuff. And that's definitely not that's definitely not that I what I saw from you. Like you're just not naturally that type of person, that type of coach. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is like 
you know, for any coach, just be true to yourself. Like, I think that's a big thing is like, you know, the problem, the, the, the problem I have with the yelling and screaming all the time is that when it does matter, when you do want to like get someone's attention or like they did mess up or something and it's like, now I need to yell. They don't know if it's actually real or not. So if I save that energy and save that time to yell or whatever, then they know it's like, okay, I got to pay attention. You know, that kind of thing where it's, it's not just, oh, he's just being him. You know, it's okay. No, like we did something wrong or like we need to fix this, you know? And it's not saying that I don't like yell cues or things like that, but um, you know, I, I tend to be a very hands-on coach. Um, I like to, to be one-on-one a lot. Um, so if I notice something, you know, it's like I'll yell the, the athlete's name and then say, Hey, like whatever cue I need to yell for them, or I'll go over there and like, let's say their knees are coming out. Like I'll get a band real quick and put bands around their knees. So they feel it. Or like, I'll be like, Hey, put pressure in my hand or whatever I need to do to help them understand what we're trying to get accomplished versus just being again, like that raw, raw guy of like just yelling random things for no reason. Like, I think there's a, there's a difference between, coaching and just blurting out words you know and and I think you know my coaching style is is trying to coach and you know when they say coach every rep it's like but do you really need to you know I think that 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 gets over over emphasized just because part of it you need the athlete to feel you need the athlete to understand what's going on and how their body moves and if I'm coaching them they can't do that because they're too busy thinking about what I just said or too busy like oh my gosh, is he watching or like whatever it is. And they get nervous or they don't want to, they don't understand the movement that they're doing versus letting them figure it out on their own and intervening when it needs to be, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's kind of a fine line between coaching them enough so they know what they're doing, but you're almost like, and then kind of also letting them do it and figure it out themselves to a degree as well. Yeah, exactly. No, and I think, I think too many people get into that, uh, especially when you go to some of those internships, you know, where you see that, where it can be almost detrimental. Um, and, and not saying, like, I think the number one thing, like I said, is just be true to yourself, you know, know the kind of coach you are, um, stay with it. But also obviously like when you're young, like you're going to figure out where you're going with your coaching style mm-hmm. and the way that you program and things like that. Like I look, I was, I was laughing the other day because I was like, I looked at the intern program we had to make for South Carolina and I looked at it and I was like, there is no way anyone would be able to complete this. Like, this is, re- this is stupid. Like, what was I thinking? You know, and it's, and <laughs> it's just funny to see how far you, your programming goes. Cause like, yeah. I know you've talked about it before. It's like, as the more you learn and things like that, the simpler your programming gets. Yeah. And I think that's, that's very true is like you, you get so caught up, you know, Instagram and social media and seeing all these fancy things and you're just like, but for what, mm. you know, like, like, yes, it could have a time and a place, but um, knowing the time and place for your athletes and knowing the time and place for where you're at is that's very important, especially when you have limited resources, like at smaller universities or whatever mm. it is. So, yeah. I think it's just a young kind of almost over the top enthusiasm thing as well. You kind of come in all guns blazing and you think, you know, all these cool things and you want to use, you want to do all this extravagant yeah. stuff. And then, yeah, you realize, ah, oh, I don't, you don't need any of that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Um, then just to finish off a few random things for you. So 
Do you still do any competitive eating? <laughs> uh, you know, not so much. Uh, you know, if I found some things to do, I might, you know, dabble in it once in a while if, uh, if I had the opportunity. But I honestly, I'm trying to think if I've done anything since that cake. So the backstory okay, there as well is the backstory there as well is I don't know how it came out, but somehow it came out while we're at the internship that Cody had done a bit of competitive eating in his time. And that, yeah, that just kind of blew us all away. So then one day, what well, was cake, wasn't it? Yeah, it was to one of the race. players' birthday, so they had a bunch of cake. Yeah. So Cody's not the, he's not what you would, when you think about a professional eater, he's not what you, he's not the body type you would think when you think of a professional eater. So he sat down against one of the, one of the big football players and um, had, a, had an eating competition. It was, yeah, and it was cake. And Cody absolutely destroyed him. <laughs> Well, it was um, funny because it was like we had the other two interns. They went head to head or whatever and had to do like none of them finished the cake. Like it was, oh, that's right. I think they did two pounds. It was like two pounds of cake or something like that. And uh, then one of the other guys like said, "Oh, I could finish that." Blah blah blah. And then some of the other guys like on staff knew that I had done that stuff before, and no one had seen it. And then I just kind of decided to show off my talent. <laughs> it was very impressive. But no, I mean, you know, those are always fun to do. If, uh, if you find a, maybe I'll have to come to Australia. Do they have any of those there? Oh yeah. Um, there's random challenges everywhere. Like you finish this thing in a certain amount of time and you get your meal for free and all that sort of stuff. Perfect. There we go. Get Try your some real meat pies. Yeah. Get your photo taken. You can put it on the wall and stuff in some places. If you finish things. There we go. Then the other thing was um, some of the slang words. So some of the words that I would say when I was over there that you guys would just stare at me and have no idea what I was saying. And it was oh, funny too, because when I was first there, you guys were all just really polite and just kind of like tried to just keep moving on with the conversation. <laughs> and then once we got down the track and you guys got to know me a bit more, you'd just be like, I have no idea what you just said. Um, 100%. So a few I still of those... don't know half the time, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so a few of those words. So jumper. Do you remember that? Oh, what was that one? So, because I remember I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to go get my jumper. And you guys would be like, you know, just get blank stares. Yeah, I still don't remember that one. So it's like a, a hoodie. like. Oh, okay. So jumper is like, it's just remember, like... There, wasn't there... Yeah, there was one about like a laundry room, right? Like you're washing, you want to do some laundry. I think you had a slang word for that, right? Laundry. I don't know. I don't know about that, but oh no, servo. That's probably what you're thinking of. So remember the, do you remember yeah. what servo was? I don't. Like a service station, like a gas station. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and then the, another one was, do you remember, um, this was one that got me all the time. Cause I say it all the time. Um, Reckon? Yeah. Yep. Remember I that? remember you saying reckon all the time. Cause so I'd be like, what do you guys reckon? And they just, yeah, no one would say anything. Yeah. Because so it essentially means, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> and then the other one was um, afternoon. And I would say Arvo. Uh, yeah. So similar to Servo. And I remember all the time and just be like, no, nah, everyone would just go quiet and say nothing. 
Then oh, the other thing, the other thing was, do you remember the Vegemite? Oh my god! <laughs> I was going to ask you if you still eat that terrible stuff. <laughs> I don't eat it regularly, but I don't mind it every so often. Have some Vegemite. See, I feel like see this is the thing is you gave it to us like in the jar and just had us eat it. Like I feel like we if we would have had it on toast. Like you're, isn't that yeah. how you usually have it? Is on toast? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it wouldn't be as bad. Um, do you guys put butter on it with it, or is it just Vegemite? Yeah, 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 you can put some butter on first and then some Vegemite on. See, like, that I think would be a little bit more tolerable than just having, like, a spoonful of it, because that was, that was rough. That was rough. Yeah, it's definitely better on toast rather than just by itself. It is very um, sour. But I can't remember who it was who had it first. Was it you that had it first? Someone had it first and had a big scoopful, and I just remember them putting it in their mouth, chewing it for a second. Then their face just completely changed to like shock and they just sprinted to the bathroom. They were in there for five minutes trying to rinse their mouth out. Yeah, I didn't do that. I can't remember who that... I I definitely had a decent amount and I had to spit it out. But yeah, it was... Because that was your last day, wasn't it, that you brought it in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, we will leave it there. Uh that was awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to have a chat. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate it.